0: Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia, exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church.
1: Today, we're going to conclude with our series entitled Reclaiming My Time. If you go back to week one, we talked about in order to reclaim your time, you have to set margin, right? In order to reclaim your time, you've got to set some margin. Uh, uh, many of us operate on this side of heaven as if we have all the time in the world. We put stuff off like we're promised tomorrow. We, we put stuff off like we know what tomorrow's gonna look like. Uh, we operate as if we have all the time in the world. We also talked about how we need to set margin with our emotional. Uh, Selves, like we have to set margin like we can't let everybody get all of our heart and they ain't giving nothing back to us right we can't let everybody get all of our emotional stuff and they ain't giving nothing back to us right we got to set margin there and then we even talked about the importance of setting margin with your schedules who who do you give your best time to what's the first thing you do in the morning we talked about that last week well I would be remiss if I didn't take us to the next level That is of the utmost importance, and that is where we got to set margin with our finances. And I know some people might be like, okay, okay, Pastor, okay, Pastor. What does money have to do with time? Everything. You all have heard this saying before, time is money, and money is time. And you're like, no, that's not true. I'm about to show you just how true that is. Watch this. This is a fact. Trust me on this. This is 100% factual, what I'm about to give you. You will do two things with your money and your time. This is how they go together. Y'all ready? This is how it goes. With your time, you are either earning money or you're spending money. See how time and money go together? With your time, you are either earning money or spending money. And some of y'all sitting there like, not true. I come from work. That's my earning. And then I go home and I'm chilling. You go where? Home. You pay mortgage or rent. One of the two, I guarantee. Right. And then when you walked in your home, what did you do? You cut the switch on. Oh, power came on. You had to pay for that power. You were spending money with our time. That's how that's how we know time and money go together with your time. You are either earning it or spending it. The flip side is that you could also be wasting it. I said earlier, just a minute ago, I said we operate as if we have all the time in the world. Many of us do contrary to that we operate as if as we have all the money in the world and we spend it that way i got all the money in the world and we spend frivolously uh we 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 don't spend wisely we don't we don't invest in something that is good that could bless somebody else's life instead of just ours we 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 operate and this is here hear me that's because of where we are we're in a capitalist society We can't help that. It's in our DNA. It's part of our culture. It's who we are. We can't help that. But I want to help you with that today. Money is an important subject matter when it comes to God. Believe it or not. I'm not saying that because I'm trying to convince you of anything. If we read the Bible, there are about 500 scriptures, Old Testament and new, that deal with faith. About 500 scriptures, Old Testament and new, that deal with prayer. There are over (laughs) 2,000 scriptures that focus on generosity and money. I'll say that again. There are over 2,000 scriptures, Old Testament and New, that deal with generosity and money. I'll say it this way Do you realize that God talks about money in the Bible more than He even talks about hell? That's powerful. And the reason why God talks about money, the reason why generosity is such a a major point of talking about in the Bible, a major point of reference in the Bible is because the number one competitor for your heart with God is money. God doesn't talk about money because he wants your money. The Bible doesn't have over 2,000 verses about money to get you to give more money. It's really to give your heart to God. But God sees the fact is many of us, our heart belongs to our money. Well, pastor, that's not true. Well, let's look at your lifestyle. If I were ask everybody in here, pull out your bank statement. Let's see where your spending went within the past 48 hours. You're like, no, 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 you're going to see some. Some Beyonce tickets. I bought that new Beyonce shirt. You know, I was at the, and ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. I wish I could have been at the B concert. You know, I wanted to be there. You know, I ain't, ain't, hey, I like B. I love Jay. Jay's my man. Jay is dope. But I'm serious. In the past 48 hours, and some of y'all are like, whoa, okay, don't go back a little further. Okay, put your whole statement for the month. What percentage of it blessed somebody else and not you? No judgment. I got to do the same thing. You understand what I'm saying? My whole point is, what is pulling away from us having the greatest encounter with God? Everything that's connected with our money, lifestyle, money, (laughs) bills, money, you know, all of these things, money. And God says, I just want your heart. Do you realize God doesn't need your money? If you were to write a check right now addressed to God, God ain't going to reach down. Go to Bank of America, Wells Fargo, whatever, and cash it. He doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. But guess what? God doesn't need your money, but his bride does. God assembled the church for a reason. We're supposed to meet the needs of the people. We're supposed to be the ones that take care of the needs of the people, not the government. Us. And the only way we do that is through our tithe and our offering and our giving and things like that. Watch this. Do you realize that the hallmark of the early church were three areas, right? So if we say we're a church in America or anywhere, we have to at least cover these basic things to say we are a church. To look like the church, the church that was born in the book of Acts, chapter 2, chapter 4, chapter, go all the way through in Acts. Watch this. This is the hallmark The foundation of the church, and this is what we should look like. Ready? This is what they did. They met together at the Lord's temple for prayer every day. Amen, lights. They met with each other for supper at each other's house regularly, including the Lord's supper. Amen, fans. They sold their possessions <laughs> and gave it back to the church so nobody was ever in need. Thank you, carpet. The hallmark of the church, what church should look like, we should be doing those four things. We should be spending time together. We should be praying together. We should be giving Of our our resources so that others don't have a need. This is what church is. It's not programs. It's not having a dope worship band. It's not how well pastor could preach. It doesn't say anything about that. What did they do? They gave and they committed, just for the record. They did commit themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves. They were there, learners, with notebooks in hand, taking notes, whatever they used to write. They were there devoting themselves to the apostle teaching. They did not forsake that. That was the hallmark of of, of what it is. Now, here's the thing. How do we do that as a church? Now, the thing is, we say we're a New Testament church, and this is so crazy. It's so interesting. We're we're a New Testament church. So when you mention tithe, immediately people are like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Doc. We're New Testament. We're no longer under the law. And I say, you know what, you are absolutely right. And if that is your reason for not giving a tithe, then I will say, then, then, then uh, I guess it's cool for me to murder you. What you mean? Well, that was under the law. I guess it's cool that I love that Mercedes you're driving, so just go ahead and give me the keys because uh, I, it said I shouldn't covet. But shoot, since we ain't under the law, I'm coveting the day, Jack, give me the Mercedes. And you know what? Your wife looking good. Boy, let me smack her on the bottom. What you doing, man? That's my wife. But we are not under the law. The law said I couldn't do that. And if I'm not under that law, I can do whatever I want according to the new laws. You can't take and pick what you want to follow from the laws. Jesus himself acknowledged the importance of the laws. How do I know? What does he say? When a prophet, when a when, when on Pharisee's asking, what's the most important commandment? He led with the law. What did he say? The law says, the Bible says, watch this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Second to that is to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you realize, my brothers and sisters, he was quoting the The law, so why do we pick and choose? Oh, okay, okay, Pastor, you got me, you're right, you're right. Okay, we, we, we there's okay, tithing was a law, but let me tell you about the Old Testament, the New Testament church, they didn't tithe, <laughs> they gave greater than a tithe, they sold possessions. The Bible says it, Acts 2 4. I believe six. Keep on going. They sold possessions. They didn't give a tenth of the income they made from the selling of the possessions. They gave the whole thing. woo I'm preaching this morning. Y'all so quiet. They gave it all. Selflessly. Because they realize what I'm given to is greater than my circumstances. What I'm given to is, matter of fact, they looked at it and said, 10% ain't good enough for what I'm getting out of this. 10% is not good enough for what I'm getting out of this. Tithing, my brothers and sisters, is not an issue of the heart. Tithing is not even a law thing. Matter of fact, uh, tithing, is, it's, it is an issue of the heart. It's not a law thing. When you say, oh man, I'm not giving, you know, that's Old Testament, I don't want to give into it. Immediately you should examine your heart, not the law. (laughs) Because what you're saying is, you know, I just don't want to give. So that's the excuse that you stand on for why you don't want to give. We'll talk about that. I knew this was going to be a quiet message, but uh, it's okay. I'm going to preach it anyway. And let God work on your heart. Glory to God. And thank you for joining us live today. Don't don't log off. Yes, we're talking about money today. Glory to God. Don't log off. I can trace this. (laughs) The power of the tide, the tithe, which is the blessing, it comes from the condition of the heart. The blessing that flows from you giving your tithe comes from the condition of the the heart. What is your heart's condition? There's tons of scripture about it. I'll just read a couple. Matthew 6, 19 and 21 says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths can eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will also be. Do you realize I want y'all to catch this because we read this and it goes over our head we think it's always talking about possessions and he is he said don't invest in stuff that 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 that's not going to give you what you're looking for sure you bought whatever you bought to make you happy but now the season of joy is gone and you're buying something else to replace that thing that was temporal that gave you just happiness and and what he's saying is invest in stuff that won't ever go away in other words Give a gift that keeps on giving. I say it this way: If I was to give somebody something and they bought something with it, that something could lose its value. But if I gave them something beyond material wealth, something that changed their lives forever, perhaps a bit of wisdom, perhaps some instruction on how to have a better resume, if I gave them something that would change their life forever, they could take that thing that I gave them that was not monetary in value but had wisdom connected to it, shared with somebody else, and they in turn shared with somebody else, and it keeps on giving. It's not the money we're talking about the possessions it's about being possessed by the possessor what has he done for you that's what it's about proverbs twenty-one twenty says this the wise have wealth and luxury but fools spend whatever they have i know i'm not talking to any fools in here because y'all are wise with y'all 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 finances ain't no fools here amen let's go down one more scripture and then uh and, and then we'll go luke uh matter of fact let's just take notes if you're taking notes let's go here I want to share this with you. In our attempts to get the most of our lives, we end up losing control of our lives. Likewise, in our attempts to get the most of our money, we end up losing control of our financial stability. In our attempts to get the most of our money, we end up losing control of our financial stability. What do you mean, pastor? If I put all my eggs into my job, I'm trusting that my job got me. I'm good. I got job security. Do you realize, can I be honest with you, there's no such thing. When you're working for somebody else, there's no such thing. I don't care if you work for the government. How many times have y'all seen the government close in the past 10 years? They shut down. I never thought that was possible. They, like, quit. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I have met veterans who did not get their benefits because the government decided we're going to quit. Why? Because we don't agree. There's nothing. No such thing as job security. Nothing. The only secure thing you can rely on, you can put everything into is the power of God. So when I look at my money, I'm not looking at the best investment I can make with my money. No such thing as a good investment. Everything goes down at some point. Real estate, stock market, Bitcoin, other foreign coin, all of it at some points depreciates. Do you know that the grace of God never does? The grace of God never depreciates. It always appreciates. I would rather, I would rather, and the thing is, when you're giving to God, you're not making an investment. God is not looking for investors. He's looking for lovers. I don't need no investors. I don't want people giving and saying, you know, what? I'm going to give and I'm expecting a return on my investment. God is like, no, that's not how this works. Give out of the love Give out of the love that you have for the grace that I've given to you. Give out of the love you have for the grace that I've extended to you. And this is what I want to share with you. God's form of giving what God requires from us. This is the kind of giving that God wants from us. God's standard for giving, it comes out of grace. He wants you to give according to the amount of grace that you've received. Now, if I was to look at your tithing record, which I don't, and and, and the grace that I know that God has given you, I would say, man, are you pleased with the grace that God has given you? Man, the AC is louder than y'all this morning. (laughs) This standard of giving that God wants is the response of the believer out of love and gratitude for God. This type of giving that God wants is the response of the believer that comes and flows out of the love and gratitude that you have for what God has done for you. I'll say it again. This kind of giving, this standard of giving is the response of the believer out of the love and gratitude for God. So in other words, how satisfied are you with what God has done for you? Very, because I'm a believer. I'm very satisfied. Let me see your giving record. Does it match up with your mouth? Thank you, Elder. Appreciate that, amen. That helped me out, encouraged me, hear me. That's the kind of giving that God wants. And you know what's so amazing? That church that I talk about in the book of Acts that's why they gave and sold everything. They they didn't even they didn't even go to the bank account first. They said, "You know what." God is so good I witnessed for myself Jesus hanging up on the cross for my hang-ups here on earth I witnessed for myself the sky going dark and then suddenly becoming light I witnessed for myself the veil that separated us from the Holy of Holies being torn in half from the top to the bottom I've seen this for myself what he's done I've seen with my own eyes how he spit in the dirt turned it into mud and made a blind man see again I've witnessed it for myself The way he showed up for my grandmama when I laid my hands on her while she was in the hospital and I needed, I've witnessed for myself that it was only a minute left and I had to pay the bills or else they were gonna shut it off. But suddenly something happened and they didn't shut it off. I've witnessed for myself. And because I've witnessed for myself, I've got to give him back better than what he'd given me. That's the kind of giving he wants. And if that's only worth 10%, that's a starting point. My wife and I talking all the time about finances, and I won't lie, this week I received some unexpected money. And I was excited because I hadn't seen no money in a long time. I don't know how teachers doing it. I'm new to this teaching thing, so I don't know how y'all operate in the summer. Man, I fell in love with ramen noodles all over. Oh, it was a good summer, peanut butter and jelly and ramen noodles. And sugar water, goodness God, I forgot how much I love that. <laughs> Somebody know what I'm talking about. <laughs> hear me. Hear me. We got some unexpected money and we got excited. We were like, man, what's for dinner? And all I said, wait a minute, that, 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 don't go to the store yet. We got a tithe on this. This was unexpected. This was we didn't know this. Was, I didn't even know this was coming. We got a tithe on this. Before we do any, before we decide to eat better, God gave us better, and I'm going to reciprocate the best way I know how, and that's with my finances. And we gave right away from the app so we didn't have to wait too long, and then she could go grocery shopping. I'm serious about it. I don't play around when it comes to tithing. You realize it's the only time in the Bible that God says, test me? He never says, Hey. Test me with your sin to see if I'll forgive you. Some of y'all wish he said that because you're like, I'm going to go sin and just see. And just let me let me just do this sin and see if he really going to forgive me. He never says that with your sin. He never says, test me with your, with, 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 with your sickness and see if I don't heal you. The only time in the entire Bible, you can check it out from the maps, maps to the index, the only time he ever gives you the opportunity, the authority, and full permission to test him is when it comes to matters of your finances. That's the only time. Because he's like, I know what I can do. But do you? Do you know what I can do? Do you trust me enough to find out? That's the only time he says it. So let's talk about this standard of giving. The first thing I want to tell you, this standard of giving is number one. It is planned and systematic. It is not random or on occasion. It is planned and systematic. In other words, you're saying to yourself before anything leaves this house and goes to uh, 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 Xfinity, Comcast, AT&T or whoever is going to God first. It's going to his local church, his bride. God could have fixed things a whole nother way, but he intentionally said, I'm going to use the church to do the redemptive work. I need to be done on earth. He chose to choose to church. He chose us to do this. He could have done it another way. He chose us to do it and he expects us to do it. He expects us to use finances and resources to do it. Okay. Now you're stretching it, pastor. Really? Well, Jesus, how many of you believe that Jesus is the son of God? I say most of us in here, right? If you're a Christian, you believe that. Jesus, son of God, some say God incarnate, came here on earth, right? And when he came here on earth, he went and he was out doing his ministry. And then all of a sudden, before he went out there and started doing his public ministry forever, what he did was he went out to the the desert. He was tempted by Satan. And after he came from that temptation for 40 days, he went out there and he said, okay, let me get me a posse. So he formed a posse. OK. And, and, and these, this posse wasn't like a bunch of holy folks. He didn't get a whole bunch of Pharisees and Sadducees and reverends and pastors and bishops. No, no, no. He went out there and he got people that were worse than tax collectors. I mean, worse than sinners. He got tax collectors. OK. He got he got fishermen that had anger management issues. OK. He, and then he got a thief. Well, how do I know he was a thief? Well, the Bible tells us that this guy named Judas, who was one of the disciples, uh, they they were collecting money. Yeah, Jesus was collecting money while he was doing ministry. Y'all didn't know that? You got to read your Bible. Yeah, while they were doing ministry, they they had a a collection purse, the Bible tells us. And Judas was stealing from the collection purse. I don't want y'all to get caught up on Judas's stealing. I want y'all to get caught up on the fact that he was stealing something because they collected something. Jesus, the Son of God, collected Money. What makes you think his bride don't need the money to do ministry? They collect it to do the ministry work. We have to do the same thing. He laid out the model. It should be planned, systematic, not random or occasion. First Corinthians chapter 16, verses two through three says this regarding the relief offering for poor Christians that is being collected. You get the same instructions. He's talking to the church in Corinth. I gave the churches in Galatia. Every Sunday, now this is uh, the message version, I believe. Every Sunday, each of you make an offering and put it in safekeeping. Be as generous as you can. I'll say that again. Every Sunday, other translations will say, at the beginning of the week. Okay? Sunday. That's today. Sunday. That's the beginning of the week on our calendar. Collect an offering. That's not The Bible, according to Broderick Santiago, that's the Bible, according to the Bible. That's the Bible that that you and I believe in. That's the Bible, the infallible, the inerrant word of God, the authoritative word on this earth. That is the word that comes from, thus says the Lord, through his apostle Paul, on Sunday, collect an offering. And put it in safekeeping and be as generous as you can. The next scripture will, if you will continue to read it, it will say, because he's coming back to collect it. Why? So that they can continue to do the work that they're doing. This is why they collect an offering. So that we can continue to do the work that we're doing. And unfortunately, some of the work that we're doing requires paying Georgia Power. So that y'all can sit in here and have AC. And lights. So, so I can have somebody to say amen to. <laughs> <laughs> y'all walking with me this morning second thing I want to share with you this type of giving this standard of giving it's not based on feelings but obedience in response to God's love it's not based on you know what I feel that was a good message today man that spoke to me I'm going to give today and then next week uh, that one it was alright he was, was pretty good alright I might give something today. It's not based upon your feelings, or how you feel. It's based upon your obedience, out of your love for God. Based upon your obedience, out of your love for God. Watch this. As believers, we should give out of an inner motivation, not an outward pressure. Don't give because, you know, Pastor man, all right, he keep asking. Today I'm going to get, today's the day I'm going to, no, no, no. Matter of fact, God says it this way. Watch this. He's like, he's like, he's like, in other words, if you don't, if you're not happy about giving, don't give. Don't give me that curse money. Don't give me that. Give because you appreciate what I've done for you in your life. Give because you, you remember what I did for your mama. Give because you remember what I did for your grandmama. Give because you remember that accident you were in and and they said you were pronounced dead. But guess what? You're breathing today. Give because that job that you asked me for, I gave you. Mm. Give because you know you were not qualified based upon your credit score for that house. But oh my, I gave it to you. Give because every time you open your mouth to ask me for something, I never said no. I gave. Give because you appreciate. You appreciate what I give to you. This is what God is saying. Give out of the love of your heart. Give out of it. Matter of fact, the Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 9-7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I want to play a video for y'all. Brother Franklin, y'all probably seen this video, but this guy gets it. Watch this. That word in the Bible, cheerful. (laughs) Literal translation in the Greek, foolishly, foolishly. Now, if I can look at other biblical examples of people who did something foolishly out of the grace and love they had and admiration for God, we can look at King David who was just so uh, jubilant and so excited about what God had done for him and how God had carried him that David is out in the courtyard, the king of all of the people, not caring about his demeanor, but he shouted and praised God till his clothes came off. I look at Brother Franklin and he gets it. He gets it. You said you was going to do a second sermon. No, <laughs> I challenged Elder Danny to do that. Hear me. Hear my heart. That, you know, when I first saw that video, I laughed. I was like, oh, that's funny. But I'm curious. I said, you know, well, what would cause this guy to do that? And notice nobody in the congregation is judging him. Nobody's laughing at him. Nobody's like, get this fool." They're like, yo, you know why they were like that? They know his testimony. In your own time, I dare you to Google or look on YouTube for Brother Franklin's testimony. Literally type in Brother Franklin's testimony and he talks about this why he gets excited when it comes time for giving. He'll tell you that the only way that he can reciprocate what God has done for him is through his finances. He gets excited because now it's my time to give back to you what you've given to me. Life hasn't been perfect, but God, you're good to me. Brother Franklin has defied death not once, but twice. He's lost children to death. He's gone through a whole bunch, but God has spared this man. Look up his testimony. And when it's time for him to give, he says, the only way I can reciprocate what God has done for me is to do my little thing. Whatever that is, I've got to dance. I can't hold it in how excited and how appreciative I am for God loving me. He didn't have to, but he did. For what I've gone through, he didn't have to, but he did. And the only way I can reciprocate that is I'm going to dance and look crazy during that time where I can give back to him what he's done for me. And what I'm giving to him, that ain't enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. He gets it. People in other countries get it. We sit in here, we have a service that lasts approximately an hour and maybe 15 to 30 minutes. Other countries, they don't leave until a breakthrough happens. They get up at, before the sun comes up, walk 15, 20 miles sometimes to the church. They get there, there is no AC. Better yet, sometimes there are no walls, just a roof on the top. And they get there and start praising and worshiping until breakthrough happens. They might take a break and grab a bite to eat, but they come back and they back at it again. Sunday is a holy day and it's not to be played with. We got a lot to learn here in this country. We got to get back to that place where, where God is, the, is, is, is at the forefront of our lives. And then we're reciprocating his grace The best way we know how. And one way we do that is through our tithe and our offering. Through our tithe and our offering. This is so important. It's not based on your feelings, but out of obedience in response to God's love. Can I talk about that word obedience? Obedience. You've heard me. If you've been with me long enough, you heard me preach this and tell you this. This word obedience is a powerful word. Matter of fact, the definition of the word is found in the word itself obedience if you just put it in your mind I'm not gonna put it on the screen but obedience in the center of the word obedience is another word which gives you the definition of what it means to be obedient die in order to be obedient to God you have to die to yourself you have to die to what you believe about money. You have to die to what you believe about 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 tithing if it 's not positive. You have to die to your own selfish stuff in order to be obedient and it 's saying here in the bible i mean it 's saying here in these notes uh, uh, giving is not based on feeding on on feelings but your obedience you 're dying in response to god 's love, dying to my own reservations to why I want to give. Dying to to my own concerns as to what I want to get. Once that money leaves your hand, you just gave it in faith. That's it. What happens next is between where it goes next. But you gave it in faith, and that's all that God is concerned in. He's not concerned with what happens after it leaves your hand. He wants to make sure it leaves your hand. It's better in his hands than it is yours. Amen? Third thing, and then we're done right here after this. Here it is. It's also, this, 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 this standard of giving, it's not giving God the leftovers. Remember, giving is a faith thing. So, so put it this way. I get a check. Of course, FICA and all of them going to take first. It, has anybody figured out who FICA is, by the way? Just help me understand who, who FICA is. And will FICA ever give me some of that money back eventually? I, don't, I just don't know. But FICA gets theirs. IRS gets theirs off the top. That's rendering unto Caesar's what is Caesar's because Caesar is on the money. Okay, that's off the top. Then after that, uh, they take theirs and now, what do most of us do with our bills? Well, you know, I got pay, to gotta pay the mortgage or the rent. I got to pay the car cardinal, no, insurance. Got to pay blah, 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 blah. If I pay all of those things and look at what's left and say, now I'll tithe, was that a faith move? No. You just took care of everything. God ain't take care of nothing for you. you just, like, I take care of it on my own. I take care of it on my own. I got a job. But it's not job security. You took care of it on your own. And then in the end, you said, well, what's left over? I'll give God. God is saying, let's flip it. Trust me first. Give to me before you give to them. In case you don't know what a tithe is, tithe is 10 percent of your pre-tax income. Your pre-tax income. I remember the first time I tithed. Now, uh, I'll never forget it. Uh, at the time, it was considered a lot of money for me because I, I had a pretty big check as a musician. I had just come off tour, had a you know, pretty nice amount of money because you know it was just stacking up. I was living off the per diem while I was on tour. And so I got my first actual check, the check from all of the places I went. And I got that. And I was like, man, that's pretty big. And the pastor preached a message on tithing and sort of like what I'm doing now. And I was like, ooh. 10% of this? Ooh. <laughs> that's more than like one zero, doc. That's, that's, that's like more than two zeros. You want me to give 10% of this? Then he says something in the Bible that I said to you all earlier. The only time God says test me is when it comes to matters of finances. And God is in competition with my money for my heart. He said that, and that was enough. I said, you know what? I'm going to test him. Since you said I can do it, God, put you to the test, homeboy. Bam. I tithe for the first time. And guess what happened the following week? I'm I'm telling you, this stuff is real. And guess what happened the following week? Nothing. I'm like, yo, I'm testing you and you are failing right now. Two, three weeks, a month goes by. Nothing. And you know why nothing happened? I didn't need God. I didn't, there wasn't an opportunity for God to show me his grace. I had to get to a point where I had nothing left in my coffers. I had to get to a point where I was broke. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I was broke. <laughs> and I go to church. I got enough to, to fill my tank up or give. I said, I'm going to give. I believe I'll make it back. I gave my tie that day. I'll never forget it. At Turner Chapel AME in Marietta, church, in Marietta Georgia here. I gave my tithe that day. And it was just a, it was a little tie because that's all I had in my pocket. I gave my tithe that day. I got in the car, and I instantly got a call to go back on the road again for touring again. And this time, it was more money than the first time I went on tour. He showed up and showed out. I thought it would happen right away, but it wouldn't happen until I needed him. And that's the same thing with you. God says, listen, he will open up the windows of heaven. And pour out a blessing so big you don't have enough room on this side of heaven to receive it. And a lot of times what we do is we give and I'm expecting the return to be in finances. I give and I'm expecting him to bless me with what I've gave him. But sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's you right now going through something, and you get a diagnosis from your doctor saying you have something that's incurable, and this is when you need God, and God will say, I didn't forget, I did not forget your obedience. I did not forget your love. I did not forget how you put me first. I got you. And your doctors are confused with what happened. It was your faith. It was your obedience that got you that blessing. The blessing doesn't always come back monetarily. It comes back in the form that you needed most. That's what he's talking about. He says, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big that you don't have enough room on earth to receive. What he's saying is, The blessing I'm going to give you, nobody on earth could do for you. That healing that you needed, there was no cure for. But guess what? I got it. That financial breakthrough you needed, you didn't have enough money. Guess what? I got more money than you need. That relationship, your heart needed to be mended at that time. You were thinking about quitting. Guess what? I got enough love for you to carry you through eternity. What I got, nobody on earth can give you. This is why it's so big you don't have enough room to receive it. Nobody on earth is qualified to give you what only I, the Lord, can give you. That's what he means when I open up the windows of heaven and part a blessing so big you don't receive. Watch this. God doesn't need the leftovers. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23, and I'm going to read the Living Bible translation. I love this. Why do we tithe? Why do we tithe, Pastor? B? Watch this. It says this. Bring the tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he has chose that he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing, catch this, is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. That's scripture. That's scripture. That ain't even me. The purpose of tithing is to put God first in your lives. That's not Broderick Santiago. That's the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's, y'all, y'all know the song. Listen, that's in the Bible. We tithe so that we learn, we're disciplined to learn to put God first. Paying your bills on your own before you pay God or take care of God is not a faith thing. You're securing your own faith. You're making your own life secure, but do it when you rarely got nothing. I look at the woman in the, in the Bible, the widow, that Jesus was at the temple, and they were taking up an offering, and all of these people coming, strutting like peacocks, giving of their time and their offering, dropping it, strutting like peacocks. But there, there comes a widow who comes in there who's got just a few coins, and she says, this is all I got left, and I'm going to give it by faith. And Jesus said, That woman, that woman is blessed. You others coming in here strutting like peacocks. Yeah, that's cool. That's nice. You look good. I like your walk. You got a little swag. But sister girl right here who don't have any more income, you got to understand what the Bible is saying. This was a widow. Her source of income came from her husband. She's a widow. Her husband is dead. Unless she has sons. And a skill set to supplement the loss of that income, she very well may have to turn herself into a prostitute to make a living. This is why prostitution is in the Bible. That's what they did. If you were a woman married and your husband died and you became a widow, if you had no sons and you had no skill set to do a, a job that would bring you money, many women turned to prostitution. This woman, two coins left in her pocket. No husband to provide for said, I'm going to step out on faith and give. Not that I want to return on my investment because this is not an investment. This is an operation of faith. This is a movement of faith. I'm going to give so that I can be taken care of, not by a man, but by God himself. She gave. There's a woman that comes to this church I love so much. I love you all, by the way. But when I think of this widow, I think of this beautiful soul that I was hoping would be here today. She's not because I like to pick on her. Miss Willie Mae Moss. I will tell you, Miss Willie Mae Moss, you've seen her. She comes, she sits her in the second row or so. Miss Willie Mae Moss will come to church and she gives consistently her tithe and her offering. There are days, though, where she's not feeling well and she can't make it to church. She will call me before the sun comes up. (laughs) Pastor, I just want to let you know I'm not feeling good today. I'm not going to be in church, but I need you to come by and pick up my little tithe. I need to make sure you pick up, and she says, my little tithe, that's what she calls it. No matter what's going on, whether she's in the church or out the church, she's going to give her tithe. Not because she's expecting a return on her investment, but she knows just how good God has been to her in her life. How God not just covered her, but covered her children and her grandchildren. How God not just took care of her grandchildren, but took care of their parents and took care of their friends and their siblings. She knows that God has blessed her so much that no matter what, even if I can't get to your church, Lord, I'm going to give back to you for what you've given to me. She reminds me of that widow who says, all I got is a couple coins and I know my husband's gone, but you know what? I trust you nonetheless. You've been so good to let me have the husband I had for the time I had him. I'm going to give what I have left to you because I know that you'll take care of me. You may not multiply, but you're going to take care of me. And she gave to God. And you and I, my brothers and sisters, we need to do that. God deserves the best, not just what is convenient. If we love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and our strength, then we won't just give him what's left over after the bills are paid. We would put him First, in our lives. When we give, we shouldn't think, my brothers and sisters, how much do I have to give? When we come to church to give, we should think, how much can I give? And let me fix that so you understand what I mean. God, how much will you allow me to give back that will match up to what you've done for me? How much will you allow me to pour back into what you've done for me? How much, how much can I give? How much room do I have? Do you have enough room to receive what I would like to give God? That's the heart of the believer that believes that God has been good to them. That's the type of giving, not how much do I have left to give? How much can I give God? How much would you allow me to give to you today? How much will you allow for me to pour into your ministry? How much will you allow for me to give unto you, God? How can I reciprocate how good you've been to me? That ain't enough, God. I've got to give you everything I've got. You've been so good. You're better to me than I deserve, God. How much will you allow me to give to show you just how much I love you? How much would you allow me to give? That's what needs to be on the heart of every person that comes in here that says they are a believer. It's not a money thing. It's a heart thing. And if you've been sitting here for the past 35, 40 minutes thinking that I've been talking about money, you've missed the entire message. I've talked about your heart and how much control money has on your heart. It's all been about heart. This whole message is about your heart. This whole message is about your heart. 2 Corinthians 8.4. Watch this. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Catch that. They begged. Paul, please. Wait, wait, wait. You can't take that offering to them without our offering connected to it. Please let us give. Let me tell you about this church that begged to be a part of it. They were broke. They were broke. They were broke financially. They were broke spiritually. This church had faced great persecution and they said Paul please, wait 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 apostle don't you dare go without us giving. I know you didn't ask us because you see our predicament but don't let our current circumstance prevent us from our heavenly blessing. Let us please be a part of this because we know that better in the hands of God what he can do with the little bit that we'll give. We know that he can multiply it so others are blessed by it. Paul don't Don't you dare go to Jerusalem without taking what we got to give. How many people in here feel that way? Don't you dare close this service, pastor, without giving us a chance to give so that we can be a a blessing to this community in Mableton. Don't you dare let us leave this place without, without letting us be a part of God's great plan of reconciliation and redemption to all of humanity. Don't you dare let us leave. A great model of that is this guy. Phenomenal pastor, and I'm closing, for Francis Chan. I love Francis Chan. He's an uh, amazing pastor, motivational speaker, author, you name it. He wrote a book several years ago entitled Crazy Love. Now, he's the founder of a megachurch. And he decided, as, after he had a heart uh, moment with God and checked his heart, he decided, you know what, this church that I'm pastoring, I'm only going to take $36,000 as a salary. Because this book that I just wrote is doing really good. The book from just the royalties alone was valued at $2 million. Just the royalties from the book. And the book is still on the national bestsellers list to date. This is several years ago. This book's royalties were valued at $2 million. Francis Chan said, I'm taking 36 salary from the church. And then I'm only going to take 10% of the royalties from this book. And I'm gonna give 90% of it away. Man, I'm working for that. <laughs> I'm working to get to that point where I say, you know what, God? I wanna give more away than I'm living off of. Francis Chan gets it. I'm gonna give 90 and live off the 10 because that's the least I can do for what God has given. Me. I prayed about the book. I pray that God would just give me the grace to write the book. I didn't ask for a bestseller, but it just so happened to be a bestseller. So because you've made it a bestseller, God, and I'm talking about you in the book and how you love us in a crazy kind of way, God, I want to give you 90% because you are the author and the finisher of this national bestseller. And I want to tell you, my brothers and sisters in here, God is the author and finisher of your life. He's done better for you than you deserve. You know, doggone where, there's some things that because of grace you've been spared the penalty of death from. You know that because of grace that your life has been better than you had dreamt it would ever be and God is saying, now how will you show me how much you appreciate the fact that I answer prayers. The job you're in right now God gave it to you. You prayed about it. Did you forget the promotion you asked God for you got it but did you forget God everything that you have had, the house you're in today you prayed about it. The mortgage you have today you prayed about the children you have today you prayed about them God gave you everything you ever asked for plus some and how have you reciprocated grace giving looks like this it looks like the nail pierced hands of the Lord Jesus who gave himself so that we might be rescued from the wrath of God and grace giving says this Lord you gave all for me What can I give back to you? And I want you guys to ponder this as I close. How much is God's grace worth to you? How much is God's grace worth to you?